0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 112 of the MTG Grandcast, the spikiest podcast in all of central North Carolina with a special focus on the SCG tour. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor With me, as always, Collins Mullen. Hey Collins. What's up, Chris? Uh, for once, you're not coming off of a top eight this past weekend in for anything. <laughs> yeah, a relatively unsuccessful weekend for me. I'm sorry. You know, it happens. I've been on a pretty hot streak lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's been nice. And it was good to be able to also recognize in the moment that I was like, yeah, I'm running hot. This is great. (laughs) So, you know, one bad weekend isn't going to get me down too Mm -hmm. much. Unfortunately, it was kind of a bad weekend for all of our people. We didn't put anybody into this top eight. I think we ended up with, what, Dylan and a classic top eight. Dylan top eight of the modern classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I lost my winning in for top 16, maybe, of Mm -hmm. the Modern Classic. Playing Burn again? Playing Burn. Of course. Old Faithful. Yeah. But there you have it. kind of a tough weekend, especially given all of the work that was done on Legacy. Yeah. I I feel like, even though everybody was on different decks, everybody was feeling pretty good about playing the format. We had played a lot of Legacy. I will say, though, that I did a lot of preparation, Mm -hmm. but at no point during the whole process did I ever have a deck that I was like yeah this we, is it I yeah. can feel it you know I like I never had that moment where I was like 4 winning every league I played with a particular deck sure you know like never really got in the stride of things and the deck I ended up playing which was Black Red Reanimator I kind of audibled back into yeah it was really a fallback deck kind yeah. of thing right and when you're playing your fallback deck everything didn't go quite according to plan leading right up to it right so definitely We'll talk about Legacy a little bit before we get too into that. Definitely want to thank our patrons. Really, really appreciate everybody who has signed up for the Patreon, who has come and hung out in the Discord. I apologize. I have all of the tokens and the the pins in envelopes in my car. But due to car trouble and then me getting sick, I did not actually get them to the post office. So they will be getting to the post office tomorrow and it's about 100 envelopes total going out. So keep on the lookout for that. We got hats out to some people and we did get the final version of our playmat art. So, yes, uh, if you want to go see mm-hmm. the art, you can go check out my Twitter account where I have tweeted that out. that will be put onto playmats sooner rather than later and go out to everybody. Uh, I believe in the five dollar tier is is where those are going out at. So if you'd like to get your hands on one of those, they're sweet. I'm very excited. It's probably gonna be the next play mat that I play with as well. Yeah, oh, same. yeah, I, yeah for sure. <sighs> I'm very excited. and you know, Bummer that the sickness has caught up to you as well. It's slowly making its rounds around our house. I, I think I got something different because okay. it only lasted like less than a day for me. And I really think it was like a food poisoning thing or something. But sure. anyways, we've we've really not been doing great. It's, as a house. it's, yeah, it's, it's been a rough couple of weeks. you. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate. So thank you to David G. and Mark V., our newest patrons. We will definitely be getting stuff out to you as soon as possible. And come say hey in the Discord. And anybody else who wants to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrandcast. Check out the rewards and figure out what tier you'd like to sign up at, and we will get that stuff out to you. So as far as this weekend went, yeah, we didn't really have a handle on like what deck you were supposed to be playing. It yep. looked like at least one or two of the groups that showed up. Really did come up with something though. Yeah, it didn't really feel like any one particular deck dominated. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I wouldn't say the one group that I think put up the best like collective performance would definitely be the group of Harlan Fear, Drake Sasser, and Zach Allen. Yeah. So they collectively all at least top sixteened. Mm-hmm. Zach Allen top eighted. They were all on Jeskai Mentor. Yeah. This was one of the like three color Arkham's Astrolabe decks that. Was playing three Arkham's Astrolabes and just kind of like the Monastery Mentor package. Yeah. Of mostly a blue white deck, You're, you know, the good blue cards, Swords of Plowshares, Council's Judgment, Jace, Teferi. Yeah. The Monastery red is Mentor. really just for splashing, magmatic sinkhole, yeah. and then a couple of the good red sideboard cards like Red Blast and stuff and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but a really light splash, and ultimately this is just. An iteration on the Miracles archetype, yeah. but focusing on Monastery Mentor as a threat that can close out the game really quickly and at a card advantagey sort of engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would probably attribute their success to the work that they put in on the deck. Like, you know, just like the hours that they put in. I think they all probably were very familiar with the Legacy format mm-hmm. overall. And it just like looking at the, the deck lists, it seems like there was a pretty widespread of what did well. So I think it was just, like, the players who were playing the best and, like, the most familiar with their own strategy were the ones that ended up coming out on top. Yeah. Aiden Breyer dominated this tournament. From top to bottom. Yeah. yeah, From top to bottom. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was really awesome to see. Played against him in Legacy before. I've always been really impressed Mm -hmm. with... um, He's just an excellent technical player. And uh, he was playing the... uh, one of the four-color Renin Six piles, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just like the the Arkham's Astrolabe. I think Edgar put in the most amount of work on this deck. But the, this um, is the Astrolabe deck. It, so it's not as true with the Jeskai Mentor deck. This is the Astrolabe deck where you really want to spell Pierce the Astrolabe on turn one if you can. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There. There's a a solid <laughs> chance that their hand just doesn't function if you do that yeah edgar posted that screenshot on twitter recently of <laughs> just like snow covered swamp as his only land and an astrolabe on the stack getting spell pierced and it's just like there's yeah. no there's, the only black card in his hand is like one abrupt decay <laughs> and then it's yeah. like a renin six and a veil of summer and some like and blue cantrips yeah. that he's not gonna be able to cast at all yeah there's like a jace yeah it's just like <laughs> not even close yeah, so the deck's kind of wild, and I—I'll be honest, I'm still not convinced about Arkham's Astrolabe. Mm-hmm. It's probably necessary in four-color decks. The card just feels so mopey when you could be playing Ponder for a, a, the <laughs> same amount of Manda. or you know, like even just like going down to Preordain or something. And that's kind of my big question for these like Jeskai Mentor decks: is like, how necessary is the Astrolabe in this deck? Why, you know, why not just play it? a preordain or another cantrip or something is it really that important to be able to fix your mana in a three color deck here yeah i mean i would really want to talk to zach about that specifically i think that that would be a good conversation to have um one you know one piece of information that came from i think zan told me this uh, or evan like one of them had talked to zach about it um really interesting thing about the deck construction he had said that they were not beating Rugged Delver until they put Rest in Peace in the sideboard. Yes. Yeah. And then that ended up being, and the more the more you think about it, the more you realize, oh, all of the threats that are good against Miracles in Delver mm-hmm. rely on the Graveyard. Yeah. Uh, Ren and Six, Tarmogoyf, or in my case, Elvish Reclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Dreadhorde Arcanist. Like, yeah. You just can't kill them if you don't have access to your Graveyard. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a, a lot of great Grapebrite synergies. And, you know, being able to use it to kill all their goyphs is nice. Man. Right. So it's effectively, like, a removal spell mm-hmm. that just, like, preemptively, you know, it like, Ruined Halos, like, a lot of their deck, kind of. Yeah, it, yeah, it just seems great. For sure. sure. Yeah, and I expect that that technology will definitely be picking up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, once people realize, oh, yeah, Rest in Peace is great against rug Delver, Rug delver might have a pretty difficult time and they might end up needing to switch up their threat suite and or yeah so know. i was i was thinking about that as like a response to the deck because i'm planning on playing a Rug Delver, team or delver whatever we're calling it um i'm planning on playing that at GP Atlanta this coming weekend and yeah. i was trying to figure out like okay what is a plan that i can have against a deck like this that makes sense assuming that they're going to be bringing in their rest in pieces against me And I was trying to, like, map out configurations that would make Rest in Peace not that good against me. But the problem is that all of your threats that are good... Like, the reason... Like, Miracles has been a joke Mm -hmm. when I've been playing against it online. Like, I just have not come close to losing a game. Right. And a big part of that is that Renin-6 and uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist, if you, uh, like, untap with them, you're just so likely to win the game. Yeah. They are your best threats. They're, like... Better than Jace. It's crazy. Yeah, well, because they're two mana, and (laughs) they do a really similar thing to the game. Yeah. So, the, you know, one way that I like to play around Rest in Peace with other decks is board out the stuff that is vulnerable to the Graveyard Hate and make your deck a little more board-oriented. Yeah. But the reason that your matchup against Miracles is good is because of these threats that just happen to rely on the Graveyard. So I think your best bet is going to be to just play enough answers to the rest in peace that you can just you can continue playing your graveyard based threats i don't think that juking is the right plan here because the like number of threats that you can reasonably play in your deck is very small in legacy mm-hmm. just the variety isn't there most yeah. of them are like uncastable you can't just put in like tireless trekker or something like that you sure. can't do that yeah and uh, so because your options are so slim and the best ones, the ones that give you a good matchup against the deck, do rely on the graveyard, I think your best bet is to put an extra disenchant in your sideboard, make sure that you have the spell snares, and know that you're going to be battling through Rest in Pieces post-board. Yeah, 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 definitely. I was, you know, before people came up with the Rest in Peace deck, I was advocating cutting the destructive robbery for Ancient Grudges. But now that people are playing Rest in Peace, it's very true that you have to stick with the Detective Revelry, and maybe even you want like a second copy or something. Yeah, or a I, yeah. I mean, I guess like there aren't really enough green cards. I don't know if you can run Force of Vigor, and that would be a, like a pretty pretty mopey answer to Rest yeah. in Peace. So, I, you know, I'm just trying to think of ways to get an extra disenchant into the board while not being like embarrassing in other matchups. But yeah. It's tough. Like, there's a lot of things you got to answer, and and the rest in peace being there in the format is is a new thing that has to be adapted to. Yes, yeah. a little bit awkward. Yep. Yeah, definitely makes things a little scary for that deck. For sure. It's it's one thing that I do not want to have to fight through, but <laughs> oh well. People are ready. So I, you know, last last time we talked about rug delver and trying elvish reclaimers, just like straight up in the place of tarmogoyfs. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave that a shot this week. Uh, played several leagues yeah. with but he's really similar to Jarvis's list that he won the Legacy playoff with. Mm-hmm. Just instead of Goyf's Elvish reclaimers, mm-hmm. and slightly adapted the sideboard to like make that make a little more sense. So I played an extra crop rotation and a bajuka bog because you kind of you have more access to your random utility land. Yeah, I. Was really happy with it. I great three 2 the first league, five 0 the next one. Uh, won a couple more matches after that. Like, uh, just being one mana is really good. It makes so much of a difference. The <laughs> it difference does. between one and two mana in this deck is like the difference between being able to hold up your spell snare and or spell pierce and not being able to like mm-hmm. turn to cantrip into your threat is huge. It yeah. happens very frequently. Yeah, one mana is nice. It just like. The deck construction has made less and less sense to me the more these rug decks have gotten iterated on. Because if you look back, the premier Delver deck to ever exist is Grixis Delver featuring Deathrite Shaman. Yeah. Like, that's the best Delver deck that we've ever had. Well, ignoring the Treasure Cruise days. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Okay, sure, (laughs) sure. The best Delver deck that's ever existed is definitely Blue Red. Right. But I mean, like... <clears throat> An actual Delver deck that you know ekes out advantage by mana and yeah, advantage yeah, yeah, and trading yeah, yeah. cards rather. Than well, yeah, <laughs> just just like... Delver with 5 Shaman was it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah. I don't think Treasure Cruise counts because you're <laughs> just like a straight up mid range deck. It just so happens that all of your cards cost one mana. Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> and you have ancestral four four x just ancestral a recall, bunch of ancestrals. <laughs> <laughs> but so the best like pure Delver strategy where you're just playing like really efficient threats and really efficient answers. Yeah, it had eight one mana threats you mm-hmm. had your four delvers and yep. your four death wreck shamans and yep. of course the death right shamans also contributed to casting your spells right. while it was in play yeah. and then they were a threat it, the the curves of these decks have moved you take away those four one mana threats and then you don't replace them with anything there they just kind of get shifted <laughs> the curve gets shifted to the right as we put a bunch of two mana threats in the deck and yep. it just the, like, it plays so clunky for what's effectively, like, a 14 or 15 land deck. Yeah. And uh, I, it just doesn't make sense to me to have all these two mana threats in the deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I uh, I can definitely get behind it. Um, yeah, and then, you know, even before Deathrite Shaman in the deck, like, Team Delver mm-hmm. traditionally always ran Nimble Mongoose, which is yeah. also a one mana threat. Yeah, so. and this is just a huge upgrade to Nimble Mongoose, I feel. Oh, yeah. So um, Well, it's got one more point of toughness. That's great. Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, it just lines up. We've talked about this before, but yeah. it doesn't get pinged down by Renin Six. Yeah. Once it's bulked up, and if you have to so- slow roll it to do this, that's fine. It doesn't add a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And then it just, like, mid-game, finding your, like, fiery islet in a game against, like, Miracles, where you have Renin Six kind of going, but mm-hmm. you really want to jumpstart it. Or even sometimes just finding a wasteland where you need another one. Um, it just... It comes up. Yep, yeah, it comes up. Yeah. And uh no combo in the main deck just straight up like it's more of just like a really good wild mm-hmm. and some with some extra utility when the the ground gets gummed up so i've been happy with it i like it a lot yeah makes a lot of sense the one other deck i want to talk a little bit about a deck that i feel like i kept on telling myself i was going to test but never got around to mm-hmm. Tarek patel top aided with hogak and i think that hogak is Pretty strong contender in the format. Yeah. But is like a little under the radar for some reason. Like, not a lot of people have gotten around to like putting a lot of hours into it. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Tarek was able to top eight the tournament with Hogak, and I think that that strategy is like pretty resilient to the kind of graveyard hate that people are putting out. Like, you know, that deck had to be able to beat Leyline of the Void in modern when it existed. So I right. think that it like can, and it's an excellent Force of Vigor deck. So. Yeah. Um. I'm. I like. Was definitely thinking back on the weekend. Was like, man. I really wish I had like tested this even a little bit. <laughs> um. So definitely, you know, something to consider for people playing in Atlanta this weekend is like, if you're if you're a graveyard kind of guy, uh, this might be, uh, something to look into. Yeah. And he went the Heejong crab route. Mm-hmm. Uh, on crab and careful study off of the blue splash rather than having red for faithless looting and yep. like kind of nothing. It's an okay Force of Vigor deck. You know, he's got eight green cards main deck. And then I assume whenever you bring in the Force of Vigors, you also bring in two Assassin's Trophies. So you have a decent chance of casting it for the alternate cost. I I remember that like when people started playing Hogak in Legacy, one of the problems with it is mostly just that like it's really hard to beat Chalice with it, Uh, especially game one. You just like get Chalice and you kind of just die. Yeah. All of the little creatures you're trying to cheat out cost a mana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that doesn't work very well. Very hard to get your Vengevines Vines into your graveyard if you can't cast one mana spells. Uh, but the prevalence of Wasteland and the prevalence of Ren and Zix in this format has pushed out Ancient Tomb decks, which reduces Chalice decks accordingly. Yeah, Chalice isn't around that much. Yeah, I think that it's you know its impact on the format has gotten much smaller. Just because a lot of the decks that it traditionally beat up on are, like, relatively resilient to it. You know, rug started playing a bunch of red and Sixes and Tarmogoyfs that, you know, you just, like, play a Tarmogoyf and beat your opponent to death if they were all in on their Talos. So. Right. And it, it's bigger than their Reality Smash <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> it, it, it can be, Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and that's so that that is that sort of thing, just to go back a little bit, that sort of thing is one thing that you lose when you put in the Elvish of Kalamers yeah. over Goyis. Like you don't win these ground battles against these slightly bigger decks that easily anymore. Right. But a lot of times you weren't winning those fights just because you couldn't quite get down the Tarmogoyf. Like it was just too awkward. So Yeah. The having the three four in play is better than just not having the guy <laughs> in play is is the conclusion that i came to a lot so yeah no i i can definitely get behind it i think it's i think it's great so yeah that's that's legacy it's our legacy recap yeah yeah you are probably not playing legacy this weekend you are unfortunately skipping yeah. the gp in order to play some iqs that's right <laughs> <laughs> i'm not happy about it but Ugh. given that i didn't have a great weekend uh syracuse and if the pc race ended today mm-hmm. i would be in at the last slot Gotcha. But my spot is not safe by any means. No. Definitely a lot of competition. So if I can if I can snag some like some extra points, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck. I hope you do. Yep. Um I we will miss you <laughs> in Atlanta. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll be sad to not be there. But so I wanted to talk about some standard stuff. We don't have any idea what's actually going to happen in standard. We can't talk about decks or anything like that. Yeah. But what we've got. Is coming up next week, we're going to do our set review. So in order to sort of prep for that, I wanted to go over kind of what's going to be rotating out of standard. Mm-hmm. What what are we losing? What are the holes that are going to either need to be filled or like create room for other things to rise up? Um, and just sort of go through the like packages that we're losing okay because um, there are a lot of like things that easily slotted into decks or things yeah. that made decks work that we're just not going to have anymore right so the big thing the biggest thing by far i think is that we're losing the check lands um, yes i think every standard is defined by the types of mana base you can construct and our mana is about to get a lot worse yeah, that was definitely something that I've seen a lot of people talking about is that the three color decks that we've kind of been able to pretty easily facilitate, yeah. um, you know, Bant and like all, all of the stuff that exists right now, uh, Grixis, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of whatever, all of these mana bases are so simple just because we have all of the lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all going to go away. So, can't play Absorb and Kaya's Wrath in the same deck anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bummer. Well, it you know, your your mileage may vary on that one, but um <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds like we're going back. We're going to be uh, at least initially in a uh one to two color standard format. And specifically like what we have is we have a full cycle of shock lands. And then we have lots of comes into play tapped duels of whatever right? guild gates and gain lands sure. and then enemy colored temples. So enemy colored decks will have slightly better mana just because they have a cycle of dual lands that are more powerful, even if they're not better at providing mana. You know, it'll be a little more tempting to go for a mid range green black or green blue deck rather than like any allied colors just because the temples are better. But we're definitely getting pushed towards, honestly, like, my gut is going to be to to try to put together monocolored decks mm-hmm. f- at the start of the format. Yeah. Because I just think your mana is going to be really, really wonky in pretty much every color combination. Even for the two-color decks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It'll be interesting to see which monocolored decks... Are still viable because mm-hmm. another thing that we're going to be losing a good amount of is our right. mono red stuff. Yeah, yeah. So mono red stuff that we're losing is the whole wizards package. So yep. Vesuvio Pyromancer, Gitu Lava Runner, Wizards Lightning. um we're losing Goblin Chain Whirler. We're losing. Finally, <laughs> yeah. God, I feel like I've lost so many creatures. To Goblin we're losing Rampaging Ferocidon. oh yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> um, we're losing Fanatical Firebrand, yeah. and we're losing Lightning Strike is a really big one, too. That is a big one. Yeah. So the... Lightning Strike wasn't printed in any of the... It, I felt like for a moment it was printed in every Yeah. Set. No, it was in Ixalan <coughs> and M19, mm-hmm. and then they just stopped. I, just the two of those, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the burn package for a mono-red type of deck is going to pretty much be Shock, and then there's the new card... From Throne of Eldraine, that's like two and a red deals three to any target. But if you paid triple red, it deals four instead. So like Flame Javelin, basically. Right. You know, still a good spell, but it does sort of redefine the types of creatures that can be playable slash good against mono red. Yeah. So three toughness guys no longer are just like, oh man, I might just like lose this at a mana disadvantage. They actually can stand up to you know they don't don't just get lightning strike and then move on yeah like they, they can do something do we have many like lightning strike ish cards like the ones that just hit creatures yeah. i think there's several of those yeah if if people want to play them sure. they can but we're we losing lava coil no we still have lava okay. coil yeah that'll um. probably be the card that people play mm-hmm. if it only hits creatures. So. Right. Right. If you need if you're fine playing an actual removal spell in your red deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the most effective one. Um, but man, I don't want to main deck that. That said, we still got experimental frenzy. It'll be played. Yeah. Cards cards bonkers. The the power level of the format as a whole is going to go down. Yeah. And while you're losing you know, your best hits with experimental frenzy were always uh, Lava Runner and Fanatical Firebrand. Yeah. Like they're just the most mana efficient things that you can hit and they have an immediate effect. But there will be other one drops and there will be other spells to cast that are totally fine. And since we're getting pushed towards Monocolor, like, this is the easiest way to go. It's just Let's play burn spells and little creatures. Other stuff that we're losing we are losing all the vampire stuff. So rip Soren technically <laughs> standard legal we yeah we get to keep Soren but Soren and Sor- all Soren's buddies are uh, not going to be around oh, no not yeah. going to be around tribal stuff that will be around though is knights and, and a lot more knights a even. lot of, oh, it feels like every other spoiler is a knight yeah for some reason and like decent knight cards yeah. too yeah and mono white <laughs> week 1 standard maybe mono white but also knights have the only dual land in Throne of Eldraine. Yeah. So they there's a tri land that uh, taps for a colorless or taps for white, black, or red for casting knights or equipment spells. That could be pretty huge. Nobody else can play two colors, <laughs> but right. Knights kind of totally can. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like being being able to have access to like better mana than everything else mm-hmm. is probably a pretty big upgrade for uh, tribal synergy. Um, and one thing that this new world of like pretty bad mana is going to lead us to is I think it'll tend to slow down the format. A lot of people's decks will be built with having some comes into play tap lands in mind, mm-hmm. which again will like encourage monocolored aggressive decks to try to take advantage of that. But there's only so much power that most of those can have, and as we saw, like mono red is losing like 20 of its best cards. So even though it might be fine, it's not going to be able to just gun you down the same way that it always has been. So I think stuff will slow down. And I think one way to take advantage of that and also get to play multiple colors is to play a green deck that uses whether it's, you know, Gilded Goose or Paradise Druid or something like that to allow it to cast spells from a couple of different colors, which is a big advantage in this format, probably. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe like the, the most of the multicolored decks will be like food based in some way. <laughs> so we can we can get the Golden Goose down and, uh, you know, really add a bunch of yeah. different colors of mana. Um, I think Paradise Druid is about to be crazy good though, because it doesn't yeah. die to Chain Whirler anymore. That's big. And you just always will can get some mana. Yep. Other stuff that's leaving. Mono White is losing quite. A... The Mono White decks will look different. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to be based around Legions Landing anymore. Yep. They lose Benilish Marshall. You know, Mono White wasn't seeing a ton of play for a while because vampires pushed it out pretty much completely. History of Vanalia is gone. History of Vanalia is gone, yeah. which, I mean, thank God that would be a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're putting a we bunch of go. new knight cards. The turn one, good knight. Turn two, good knight. Turn three, history of Vanalia. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Look Luckily like, for yeah. us, knights was never a thing before in standard with the history. Right. You had to put some, like, really medium knights into your deck yeah. if you, you were, like, excited if you, like, ooh, this one's actually a knight surprise. Got like, good for me. Dauntless Bodyguard, <laughs> plus two, plus one. Yeah. Oh, man. So the mono decks will look a little bit, uh, significantly different. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that they will also be encouraged to exist, if because of mana base reasons. Sure. If nothing else, we've lost Nexus of Fate. Oh, good, thank, excellent. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About time. That that card definitely had a, a bit of an unfortunate impact on standard. What a terribly designed card. Right. They just kind of like one of those, uh, oops, we kind of threw this into the set on accident and just like <clears throat> a line of text or two that they didn't quite. I mean, making this is the first time walk that was an instant number one. Yeah. And also it shuffles itself back into your library. Right. At the same time. And just like No. No thought. It feels probably very little, like, thought about what that actually means for... Am I remembering this incorrectly, or was that a card designed, like, not by R&D team? I feel oh, like I don't. I feel like it was like like added on last minute as like this like buy a box promotional thing. That yeah, like I mean it was really... a box topper, but yeah, it you know it probably wasn't extensively tested with the. It feels like it definitely wasn't extensively tested with the yeah. rest of the stuff. And or like R and D team like heavily recommended that it not be standard legal, but they decided to make it anyways just for extra incentive or something. Well, don't know. we had to live with it for a while, regardless of how they ended up there. Yeah, but sad. Yeah, one of its. You know, later on, this was not a combo, but at the start of Nexus being a thing, its best friend was uh, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. Right. Which we are yeah. also losing. Excellent. Which, okay, I'm yeah. really ready for this to not be in standard anymore. <laughs> Standard's going to be looking pretty fresh, yeah. it feels like. Yeah. Because what other colors could you base your control deck around in standard? Yeah you had to cast a fairy, Right. It, it just didn't make sense to do anything else. Yeah. You know, the the Grixis decks were always a joke because, like, yeah, you can play these removal spells and you can play this, like, okay 5-mana Planeswalker, but, like, you're not playing the busted one that people play in Modern and Legacy, so <laughs> yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? Right, yeah. Yeah, if your Planeswalker, you know, crosses formats, that's definitely a sign that it's... Uh, if your 5-mana Planeswalker right. crosses yeah. formats... <laughs> It's the one that you probably want to be playing. Yeah. Yeah. And just like so many games, like you feel like you're doing okay against the control deck and you're like trading resources off and it's like, all right, I just need to draw a little bit higher density of spells than them for the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, wait, but what if their last card is Teferi? And then it's always Teferi and then you just lose on the spot. That's just how the games play out is they interact and they interact and they're, you know, (laughs) they've drawn a Teferi by then and then they'll slam it and then the game ends. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. I am excited for that not happening anymore. Yeah. Especially, yeah, the Teferi and then passing with Counterspell mana up. Not as relevant in our little Teferi universe <laughs> where Counterspells True. are kind yeah. of rubbish, but yeah, still. Other things that we're losing, this one I'm actually sad about. We're losing most of our discard outlets for Arclight Phoenix. So no oh. more Tormenting Voice, no more Charter Course. The Age of Arclight Phoenix is ended. It, I think it may have come to an end in all yeah. formats. That's... I mean you can still bury it alive for it in Legacy. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so we are getting in Throne of Eldrain a pretty medium card. There's an adventure card that its adventure is one red. I don't remember if it's a sorcerer in an instant, but you discard a card from your hand and draw a card, and mm-hmm. then the creature it puts into play has like an activated ability that lets you rummage. Uh but it's a mana it's like three mana to rummage or something like that on the creature. So it's not really good enough. <laughs> Yeah, three mana rummage is not where I want to be. Yeah, yeah. and so like the, like standard will be a little lower powered, but not that not lower that powered. lower powered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would be mostly playing it for the adventure side, but one red mana to do the insolent neonate thing, where you just like have to immediately do it. Just one red mana, discard another card from your hand, draw a card. Is like, I don't know. Like the one thing that that does have going for it is that gives you another one mana spell. So and since Opt is being reprinted and thrown a Veldrain, like that could make Phoenix possible. In that it's so much easier to triple spell when you have an extra one mana spell yeah. in your deck. Right. So that's kind of nice. But man, we really need like a Charter Course or something yeah. too. Yeah. And uh, Radical Idea was just always my least favorite card <laughs> in that deck. Yeah. And I really would like to not have to play it if possible. Right. We are losing. Curious obsession, yeah. Mono, mono blue is gonna have to take <laughs> a different angle other I'll, than I'll, tiny creatures. <laughs> I feel like and... we're losing a ton of the most obnoxious cards. Yeah. in standard, like okay. the cards that suck to lose to. <laughs> curious obsession to fairy nexus of fate. Yeah, I have been seeing a lot of noise around green blue, uh, like 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 Simic Flash as okay. a replacement for mono blue. Yeah, because you still have your kind of card advantage engine and Night Pack Ambusher. Right. You know the mana is a little wonky without hinterland harbor, but if you go more in one di- one color direction than the other, or maybe play a mana guy or something like that. Yeah, the latest blue green flash decks that I ended up seeing ran a certain number of mana dorks, and I think I thought that was like pretty good. Just like to have paradise fruit or something is like a curve filler. There mm-hmm. is pretty solid. Yeah, um, yeah, and then most of those flash cards we got kind of recently, so I am assuming that they're all sticking around. Yeah, yeah, you really do get to keep most of the deck. You lose Murfolk Trickster, but sure. there's some replacement stuff in Throne of Veldrain. There's the elf that, like, the art makes it look like it's a fox, but it's actually the elf riding on the back of a fox. It's a two mana, two, two flash that, like, whenever a non human creature comes into play under your control, you can pay X and put that many plus one, plus one counters oh, yeah, onto it. yeah, okay. So cool, cool. It's like a pretty solid flash threat that right. you can play. And it lets you be a little more green based. Which yeah. is probably nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh speaking of mana dorks. Yeah. No lanor Elves. Yeah. But kind of a defining card. Yeah, honestly. Not like a not like a game breaking card most of the time, but mm-hmm. definitely very, very powerful. The uh these like rampy strategies are not gonna be able to go with their most powerful like turn three, five mana draws mm-hmm. nearly as much. Yeah, I, I, it'll take some work to do the turn three Nyssa. It either takes, yeah. like, a Gilded Goose-based deck or, like... Yeah, you might be able to do something with food shenanigans. Who mm-hmm. knows? Yeah, I, I'm sure that we will. Like, turn three Nyssa still is going to be one of the most powerful things you can do. Nyssa is probably just going to be one of the most powerful things we can do, I'm assuming. Yeah, especially because you can just fit that in a heavily green deck that you don't have to rely on your lands to make your other color of mana, yeah. like... Splashing Hydra Crisis off of, you know, breeding pools and Paradise Druids and maybe a little extra, whether it's a little food-based thing with Gilded Goose or whatever, like, that's really doable, so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Nissa definitely stands out to me as, like, we've been talking about a lot of these just, like, completely powerful cards that are rotating out, and this is, I think, like, the most powerful card left over that's just going to be carried on into... This new standard. Yeah. Yeah, just as, like, a self-contained engine strategy sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Still have Hydroid Crisis, so that, like hi, this Nissa is getting advantage, and if I you let me just untap with it, I can just kind of end the game right here. Right. Like, that yeah. definitely still exists. We'll have stuff to end the game with. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, you got to believe. We just won't be able to start the game with actual Lenoir Elves, <laughs> but that's, like, kind of the main difference between sure. what the deck was able to do before. Instead, we'll be starting with some some food. Yes. <laughs> I do think Guild Goose is going to be significantly worse that, like It might just not even be playable. Like, I, I don't really know, even. I, I think it'll be necessary. What does it do if you don't have any food? So you can pay one and a green and tap it to create a food. Okay. So if you can, like, if you're just, like, not turn really one anything. Turn one goose, turn two, make a food. You know, if you don't have anything else, I can yeah. see that happening. Yeah. I mean, that's, you're hopefully casting a three drop on, yeah. on, on turn two. But right. yeah, we'll talk about these sorts of ideas we're getting into the new stuff i know bit. it's yeah. hard not we're so to, excited i am <laughs> really excited <laughs> yeah we lose a lot of kind of specialized removal spells i noticed uh a lot of the like one or two of slots to deal with specific types of threats uh or in specific types of strategies Can so you give me some examples hostage taker Ixalon's binding ravenous ravenous chupacabra that okay. sort of thing yeah fortunately we're not losing this is slightly different, but in a similar category. Fortunately, we are not losing Sorcerer's Spyglass because they're reprinting that. Oh, okay. so I'm really glad that that's one that they're holding on to. Yeah, it's been a really nice card to have access to yeah. for the decks that need it. Yeah, and I feel like most of my sideboards should have one more Sorcerer's Spyglass than they usually <laughs> have <laughs> right. in them. Yeah. But yeah we are losing some of these kind of like specific targeted removal spells i will be kind of bummed to not be able to put hostage taker into a flex slot in a deck anymore because yeah. that was always nice but no hostage taker is great for sure being able to hit artifacts too was like didn't yeah. come up very often but i just liked that it was an option for that card i don't know every time mm-hmm. it's just because i played a lot of treasure maps and every time oh. i got my treasure map hit by hostage shaker it was just like oh my even if I kill it, like my hot, my treasure map always had two counters on it when they grabbed it, and it was yeah. just like so. I'm you found this... yourself on the on the receiving end of that interaction yes! a little a little too often. I Got just it. put all this work into this treasure map. <laughs> I was about to flip it, but yeah, you took my. How do you take a map hostage? Yeah, come on, not cool. I need to flip this. A big one that has not been nearly as big Mm -hmm. lately, but likely would have been a big deal. It was a big deal in a small standard format. Mm -hmm. So the Explore Package is what I'm talking about here. Okay. Before the last rotation, we had access to the Explore Package. Right. Nobody played Wild Growth Walker. Right. We chopped a bunch of sets off of Standard. All of a sudden, Green Black was good. Yeah. Golgari midrange, totally playable. One of the best decks in the format. Add a set, Sultai. Totally great. Explore package, powerful. Add another set, starts to fall off a little bit, add one more and it's just completely unplayable. Right. Just not what you want to be doing at all. Yeah. Um so you know, if we still had it in this standard, I bet that we could make something happen with it. Yeah. But It's not going to exist. We're losing it, and then, again, it would be not strong enough after a set or two. That's just, like, how these mid-range things work. Probably, yeah. But likely good that, you know, since that was, like, pretty all condensed into green, if we're going back to, like, one or two color decks, I'm sure that it it would likely be very dominant. So it's good that we're not going to be... At least initially. Although maybe the thing that Green wants to be doing is more rampy stuff, just given how much more powerful Nyssa is than, yeah. like, Vivian Reed-type cards. Right. Right. Lost well, some specialized stuff, uh, like Lyra Donbringer, the best sideboard card in the format for particular <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> strategies. <laughs> So it's good that we're losing all that mono red stuff as well then. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest ways to just beat the crap out of them, like, you know, Lyra was a great solution to stabilize and then kill them before Experimental Frenzy just took over the game and uh, not an option anymore. Yeah. It's all right. I lost some, like, pretty unlosable games to Lyra <laughs> Dawnbringer and me just not having a removal spell in my hand, so. Yep, I feel that, for sure. Played (laughs) played plenty of Mono Red, where they played that card in turn 5, and I was very sad about it. I have also lost to it out of, like, Drake's slash Phoenix, where it's just like, okay, well, that thing is bigger than all of my stuff, and all of my removal lines up super poorly against it. I might have a 15-4, but it's still a (laughs) 15-4. With last strike. (laughs) Yeah, with with last strike. Was that a rare mechanic? Uh, only in Unhinged, I believe. Okay. so Gotcha. Because no. it sounded familiar. There's like a slug from some old set that effectively has it because it, anything it gets in combat with, it like gives first strike, oh, but uh, cool. nothing has actual last strike because in order for last strike to be a thing, they'd have to make like a third combat damage step. So you have your first strike step and then your combat damage step and they'd have to change the rules to accommodate last strike. That's fair yeah it's um, the it's the hidden step that only comes up if you play certain cards yes yeah and we're also losing search for escanta oh yeah so this is the last one on my list of things that i thought of as important um definitely less of a thing towards the end of the format yeah although still the pretty just, decent in nexus decks but yeah the just like generalized strategy of like interact all the time and then like have a card advantage Mm -hmm. card that takes over the game became worse and worse as people played as the format got more and more powerful yeah so it got to the point where the good stuff deck bant mid-range just like overpowered a search for his kanta near the end of the format but earlier on in the format when there was yeah those those strategies definitely were pretty pretty dominant yep so i mean looking forward and looking at when while looking at spoilers, and while brewing initial decks, the things that I'm thinking of are, I'd like to see what the powerful, like, colored strategies are, and then I'd also like to see what we can do with green decks that have access to more colors of mana than that. I mean, most of my thoughts are about what mana do I have access to, more than sure. anything else yeah. in particular. It's a good thing to pay attention to. You don't want to get caught up in just, like, assuming that you can have access to anything, and mm-hmm. then... Building a bunch of decks that are non-functional. I mean, you just don't have access to everything anymore. Right. Um I and that's why I like am really gonna be trying to build a lot of Paradise Druid decks. Oh, Lee points out no two mana doomblade anymore. Definitely okay. removal spells are a little bit more limited. We don't have cast down. Okay. There's some replacements in this set, it looks like. There's a blue-black one that has some like really interesting text. Is that like the counterspell, removal spell hybrid? Yeah, that counters a spell or kills a creature with converted mana cost less than the number of cards in your opponent's graveyard, or maybe less than or equal to. Less than or equal to, yeah. Um, Which, you know, means that it's not great on turn two, which is like an important part of a cast down card. I think it's going to be pretty tough to play that card in standard. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it might end up being really, really good in, uh, like, these Legacy four-color piles or whatever. Right, where they I just want, like, these super versatile answers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people are just inherently filling up their graveyard really mm-hmm. fast. So, like, you know, I could see it in Modern and Legacy. Yeah. But the I card think. feels pretty underwhelming. and Definitely um, pretty, yeah, yeah. Standard. Hard yeah. to have it. You know, I could see it as, like, a, a one-of or two-of or something intended more as, like, a, hey, we're in the mid-game and I need something that's an answer to most things. Right. But I feel like most of the time, against most decks, it's only going to be able to counter, like, you know, even, like, later on in the game, like, a three or a four. Yeah, that's possible. And it's just not really what I want to be doing. Yeah. No, I, but, I get that. Yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah, so you are probably going to need to be picking your removal very carefully based on the threats that you're going to be facing yeah so for a little bit we're gonna proactivity is gonna rule because it always does wild west yeah i mean i i would rather be the person casting nissa or casting red one mana spells than pretty much anything else in the on week one of this format i'm gonna be keeping an eye out for some one mana spells yep in probably the white and red colors first there's a couple yeah We'll, we'll talk about them for sure Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we will kind of use this information as we go into the set review next week, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I hope that everybody is excited to hear that Lee McLeod is probably going to be joining us for that. I'm excited. And then maybe we should do a couple of spoilers just because... Stuff to talk about before then, just to get everybody all hyped up, and then we'll I'm do down. the whole set review next week. We should, I think that we should. We're pretty obligated to at least talk about one cycle of cards that everybody, yes. everybody on the internet seems to be very excited about. Okay, I have a problem with the Twitter response to these cards. I'm, I'm ready. Okay, so the this is a cycle of lands. Okay, that they're each like one color rare lands, and they enter the battlefield tapped unless you control that basic land type so this is for example this is castle vantress it's a land enters the battlefield tapped unless you control an island taps to make a blue mana and it has two blue blue tap scry two yeah so there's a cycle of these lands yeah i think they're clearly very very good yeah they come into play untapped yeah probably a lot of the time yeah and then they just have like a an ability that the longer the game goes on the more advantage you're gonna eke out of that they're not even legendary they're not even legendary (laughs) yeah my problem though is there's a trend on magic twitter where like everybody will be calling out a certain behavior and then there's just no evidence that that behavior is actually occurring at all it happens very frequently it happens a lot and is the latest one is uh Anybody who thinks these are bad or X, Y, Z or whatever. Yes. I woke up this morning and this morning was a weird morning for me because I was like recovering from whatever I had that was going on last night. So I was like groggy and out of it. But I woke up and I pulled up Twitter and I started scrolling through, and literally every tweet on my timeline was like, If you, everyone who doesn't think these lands is good is a dumbass. (laughs) And it's just like, Who doesn't? I didn't see a single person who didn't think these lands are good. Honestly, it's very likely that it happened like once. One time. Yeah. One person in a thread on Reddit, like, doesn't really know how to evaluate cards and especially doesn't know how to evaluate non basic lands and then it's just magic twitter is going to revel in calling them names <laughs> just for days for days <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah no yeah. i i i feel that so we could spend a lot of time talking about things that are wrong with like, <laughs> with, <laughs> with magic twitter and just you know twitter generally i'm sure but yeah so like these lines are obviously great uh, and yeah. in particular like are almost free in a monocolor deck like if you're running a mono blue deck you can just run, f- like, four of these in a bunch of islands, and you're probably going to be fine the vast majority of the time. I think it's pretty close to an automatic four of in any monocolor deck. Yeah. For, honestly, any of the cycle. Mm-hmm. The uh, I've been pretty impressed with every single one that I've seen. All of their abilities are, like, pretty good. Even the black one, when I read the, so the black one is three, mm-hmm. so one black, black, tap it. Uh, draw a card and then lose life equal to the number of cards in your hand. Yeah. And when I initially read that, I was like, wow, you're losing a lot of life. But... Depends on how you construct your deck. Probably not, to be honest. When you get to the point in the game where you're activating that, mm-hmm. I think that it's likely that you only take, like, one maximum two damage yeah. off of uh When you're your paying activation. four mana to draw a card, that's because yeah. you're... You would much rather spend that mana on spells that affect the game. Right. But... If you are both out of resources, then yeah, draw your card, lose a life. You're delighted to make that exchange. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, honestly, like, in my mind, is probably the most powerful one. That one seems insane to me. Yeah. I I mean, this one, just to scry to, is also very good uh, if if the game is going late. The green one is really interesting. The green one is two green-green tap, uh, add six green to your mana pool, and I think you can only use that to cast creature spells um i don't remember if there's something else you can do with the mana you you can use it to activate abilities oh uh, okay as well. gotcha I well so mostly for casting creatures spells. Yeah. it's for creatures it's for creatures. creatures can use it however they want but and, it's for creatures and specifically yeah. like the thing that everybody is like angling in on is that that casts primeval titan right um which yeah. It is really tough to fit non-mountain, non-basic forest cards into a Velika mana base. It it can cast that card, but it's also, you know, not a mountain. Yeah. So I don't know, but it does give you access to turn three Primeval Titan in that deck, which is like kind of sweet. Yeah. But I don't know that that actually solves any of the deck's problems. I do think that Titan Shift got an excellent card out of this new set, but it's not a land. Mm. It's the new five mana sorcery. Oh, you like that card? I think it's really good. Okay. So that yeah. is, I don't remember the name of that card, but that's three red green. You exile the top five cards of your library. You can cast them until the end of your next turn and you can play an extra land this turn. Yeah. So in Titan Shift, the like the five mana turn mm-hmm. has always been pretty much a waste. Gotcha. Because you can go ramp spell, ramp spell, mm-hmm. five mana. Or is it is it does that only happen when you suspend? Yeah, that you, happens when you search for tomorrow. You go when you go turn one search, turn two ramp spell, then your turn three you have five mana. Right. So so that slot has never really been good for much. Mm-hmm. There was a brief time period where we played our promise, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. I had some success with that deck. It was fun. It was like a mono green all mountains deck, it was great. <laughs> um <clears throat> but yeah, I mean being able to uh dig towards like have an extra card that digs towards your like payoffs mm-hmm. pretty consistently i think is probably going to be pretty good i can see that i if you do want something in that slot though i mean do, do you think that it would perform better than our promise there i think so okay well i don't know yeah it's it's worth it's worth, worth, it's worth trying yeah, yeah definitely worth trying right cool I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make any extreme statements sure. after like reading the card this morning, but yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's but one that I, I that think it's, it's your wheels turning. Yes, yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely something that I think that should be tested in that deck. Yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. Like, is a must counter in that spot, you know, or a must deal with sort of thing. Like, gets you quite a bit of advantage, and like, either you're digging for threats, or you just like you get an extra land drop that turn, then you play another land that you exile with it and can probably play like two ramp spells off of there and then you're just like i mean it's not naturally validating because you cast a five mana spell but it does get you into the like now all of my land drops are lightning bolts right. range yeah. so that could be really good right yeah i just really love how like you know i was thinking about that card in the context of both titan shift and just like standard in general mm-hmm. and you get to like play up to three lands of that card generally Mm. and whatever spells you hit so you know yeah yeah i I think it's pretty powerful i'm interested in it in standard um although you know my five mana green spell of choice is still just gonna be nissa oh yeah yeah yeah. no absolutely but maybe you you construct your deck to try to cast a five mana spell and you only can put so many nisses in your deck so (laughs) yeah right one card that i thought was cool that got spoiled today is realm cloaked giant so this is an adventure card it is a 7-mana seven 7-7 seven, seven Vigilance, and its adventure is Cast Off, which is a sorcery for 3 and 2 white, destroy all non-giant creatures. This... So it's a 5-mana it's a Wrath. Yep. Um, And then you get a 7-mana seven 7-7. Seven, seven yep. Off of it. Which is... So kind of stapled a big old body onto a Wrath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <clears throat> and the art for this card, I will say, is very sweet. I love the art on this card. I yeah. actually... This is... The art on the, like, special version is also pretty cool looking, but I really love the art on the... I like the original one as well. Yeah. 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 Very neat. This is a a Magic Art podcast now. (laughs) Well, we're just talking about what we like. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the five mana Wrath is like a staple of control decks nowadays. Yeah. You know, it's not anything special. You're probably not going to have too many giants... Sitting around to survive this in your control deck, so you're not doing anything great with the wrath part. But well, I mean, if you're playing a control deck and you're like this, you can just play like three of these, and mm-hmm. that's just like your win con. And yeah. then, yeah, maybe you you know get to a point where you cast a seven seven and then wrath away all the other stuff. And- I'm yeah, I'm sure that will happen every once in a while, yeah, right. Um, but it being a seven seven vigilance does mean that like a lot of their medium sized guys are pretty irrelevant once you get to that point in the game, which is yeah. kind of nice. But yeah, it's, design-wise, I really like this just as a way of, like, encouraging control decks to put a card in their deck that will close the game out quickly. It's like a Nega Teferi, like... Yeah, right. Teferi encourages you to play no win conditions in your deck, which is so miserable. Right. But this, just, okay, well, this is a wrath that's totally fine, and it lets me end my rounds on time. Seven, yeah. Yeah, great. (laughs) Right. So I appreciate it for that, if nothing else. No, for sure. But I think it'll be pretty good. You know, yeah. Wrath that just gives you the this, ability. This that... card will see play. Yeah. 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 You can quote me on that. Uh, the next one I am not so high on, but it is a cool design. <laughs> it's the Magic Mirror. Yeah. Uh, six blue, blue, blue. This is a cycle of legendary artifacts with like affinity for stuff. Spell costs one less to cast for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. You have no maximum hand size. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a knowledge counter on the magic mirror. Then draw a card for each knowledge counter on the magic mirror. So your ideal is fill up your graveyard with cheap cantrips and stuff. And then it draws you one card and then two cards and then three cards. And then hopefully you don't have to do much else to win the game. (laughs) And hopefully you've hit them with enough 7-7s at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, this... The card seems like a control mirror breaker mm-hmm. where the game plays out and the graveyards are stocked so you can pay three mana for this bomb finisher and hopefully protect it in some way. Mm-hmm. That's how I imagine it playing out. If there's going to be some sort of blue control deck. Yeah. Um, So, you know, you got to kill like them, a... though. And you got to kill them kind of fast. It's not a may. It's not a you may. You got to draw these cards and, and it's a yeah. lot of cards. Once you're you know if you, if this is a control mirror that you trade off of, trade off resources and stuff and you're just battling and then finally like like this can't be a thing that you resolve like because now I have 12 lands in play, and I will fight over it with all of my counterspells, and here you go, here is this, it's gonna kill you. Because if you only have, like, 20 cards left in your deck, like, you're just gonna kill yourself with it. Maybe. Unless you have ways to actually kill them. Yeah, like, no, quick. that's, that's certainly fair. Are there any, like, donation cards? I <laughs> Just get it up to, like, you 10. You get it up to, like, 10, and you're Give like, here them. you go! <laughs> no i don't believe we have any i don't know oh. if there's like an adventure that does it now or something like that i hope so that would be the sweetest control mirror <laughs> right just draw the cards off of it yeah. so you can keep fighting them right right and then once it's at just extreme numbers then right. you're just like all right good yeah. luck amazing i think generally cards like this have been pretty displaced by planeswalkers yeah you know honden of the The Blue Honden is just not, like, the type of card that we put into Control Decks anymore. Right. And I think... Did the Blue Honden see play back in the day? It I did. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I only have that through Battle Tube. Boss experience. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we don't usually do this type of thing anymore. This thing getting down to be as cheap as potentially three mana is That's a difference cheap. maker there. That is pretty yeah. cheap. I wouldn't be super surprised if this just wasn't the type of thing yeah. you wanted to do. Absolutely. This next card is really cool, though. Yeah, this is Dance of the Mance. Uh, X, White, and Blue. Return up to X target artifact and or non-aura enchantment cards, each with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If X is six or more, those permanents are 4-4 four four creatures in addition to their other types. So X equals one, you get a chromatic star into play. X equals two, you get two artifacts or enchantments. X equals three, you get three with three or less Uh, So it scales pretty well up to, like, four or so, and you're, like, this is just a huge, like, mid-game reload card advantage thing for an artifact or enchantment-based deck. (laughs) The last time they did something (laughs) similar to this, it was with creatures, and, like, Rally Ancestors, Mm -hmm. and what was the other one? Well, I mean, it's kind of similar to Command the Dreadhorde in a way, too. Um, Sure. But you don't lose life, but, you know you you don't just get to pick everything or anything right. like that yeah um you have to have your deck pretty solidly built around this card or at least the theme but i definitely see this even in modern potentially depending on you know what types of decks are successful and and being built but like it's a hell of a reload i'm but, assuming leo let us know if yeah. it's good in modern. yeah like you know soonish so Wow, Chris doesn't know the name of Honden of Seeing Winds by art. I don't know the names of the Hondens. <laughs> Honden of Seeing Winds, it's Honden yeah. of Draw a Card, Honden of Opponent Discards a Card, Honden of Pinging. It's like. Blue Honden, <laughs> <Yeah>. Red Honden, <laughs> <Yeah>. Black Honden. <laughs> yeah, I will say though, Dance of the Mance. Yeah, very satisfying. Name. Yeah, this is this is the br guest scene from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, and it rhymes. And yeah, no, it's just fun to say. It is Dance of the Mance. Dance of the Mance. Hey. I wish the art was better i think <laughs> i don't know what's going on i've only like really glanced at it yeah well so the idea behind this is that it's all the furniture coming to life and so the okay. art is like but it's it really just looks like it's like a clock falling over and like a well, it's chair got, falling. it's got like the you know the iconic pieces of furniture like the um the clock person and the chair person <laughs> you know what i'm talking about from the you know from beauty and the beast yes okay. well so the, it's the clock and the candelabra from beauty and the beast there's no lumiere in this art yeah that's definitely and sad the, like, but this chair looks familiar so i don't know yeah i think the chair like scooches up so she can sit in it or something like that i think but i i just think that the art could be a little it could show you what's going on a little better than this it doesn't quite do it it, for it honestly more just looks like there's an earthquake happening. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah when I'm looking at this I'm like wow it's a bunch of furniture it's just like and they're all like down. tilted <laughs> falling down it's like oh it's an earthquake <laughs> that makes sense yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but anyways <laughs> yep uh yeah but you know at least it's got a cool name it does, and and, and dance of the man and it's great text and super interesting and potentially really powerful. And I'm so excited to build Emery decks in Standard, and I believe this will be a key part to Emery artifact based it decks. Could be. Um, it could be, absolutely. There's going to be so much nonsense in those decks. The <laughs> artifacts. I did a Scryfall, so it's just like seeing what we got, and the artifacts are not good. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, well, well, excellent. There's like quite a bit of work to make the artifact matter cards sure. in Throne of Eldraine work. Some of we these probably payoffs just need a few it. busted ones. Yeah, there's fine. there's a two-mana like an astrolabe or something. There's a two-mana <laughs> 5/4 flyer artifact creature <clears throat> in the set. So, you know, it's true. I'm going to try to make that work and yeah. we'll see. All right, so for our Patreon question of the week, Chris okay. asks what card are you going to miss the most post-rotation? What card are you glad is going away? So we touched on this a little bit, but just to, like, lock in our responses here. Yep. So first, like, what are you happiest to see leave? What Nexus you... of Fate. Okay. Yeah. Which I knew the name of the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no edits required for this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Nexus of Fate is just, it's just a nightmare. It's an egregious um, design. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's pretty clearly the one I'm most excited to see leave. Just, like, not have to worry about that anymore. Kind of saddest to see leave. Probably th- probably the saddest to see, like, the really good, linear, aggressive cards leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the mono-red stuff and, like, the mono-white stuff. Okay. Um, You know, so hopefully some of that gets replaced with, you know, new, fun, nice synergies or something. But, yeah, those are, that's, like... It's a pretty broad category, but I'm, yeah. You know, I'm sad that we don't have, like, a clear path towards now like is, linear aggro anymore. Is Chain Whirler included in that, or does he get, like, a special sort of, I don't know about this card? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that was, like, the one that I you kind of feel guilty about having as, like, a linear aggro player. You're yeah. like, oh, yeah, Chain Whirler. Because all the stuff that's supposed to be good against you, he's just, like... Mm-hmm. Nah. Right. You got a bunch of blockers, sorry. Yeah, no, they're not there anymore. <laughs> yep. for sure. Yeah. So, you know, okay, it's like I, I accept on that one. I, I you know, not like positive or negative, but I accept that Tain is gonna leave. Yep. Um but yeah, definitely sad about, you know, just like all of the other good cards. Yeah. Um I'm probably happiest about Teferi Hero of Dominaria being gone. Great. Um this is one that in our set review. Originally for Dominaria, we looked at it, and we were like, yeah, this card is obviously very good, and we also noted that it was, like, kind of scary. Who knows what this card will be able to do, and pretty much most of our fears came true. Yeah. Um, you couldn't play any control deck that didn't top out at Teferi. Um, one thing that we didn't realize until a couple of weeks on is that you just didn't need to play a real win condition in your deck, and it just, like, made the games end in such a painful way, um, especially, like... The thing that I hated the most is when I was playing a Teferi deck and playing against a newer player who didn't, like, really understand, like, how did they... You You have to, like, go through exiling all of their lands and stuff, yeah. And then you get to the point in the game where you're like, okay, tuck my Teferi, and it's just like, Mm -hmm. why is this... Right. As opposed to playing against a more experienced player who wants you plus your Teferi twice, they're just like, all right, game two. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, For sure. But just the the that play pattern was so so miserable. Uh, the card that I'm saddest about leaving, honestly, charted course. <laughs> honestly, it might just be charted course. Yeah, I was I was thinking about it. It it gave a lot of. Like, it just had a bunch of cool play patterns with it. It, like, encouraged you to play weird things like one mana, one one flyers in your deck and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to the same extent that Curious Obsession encouraged <laughs> you to do that. Like, I think Charter Course is an example of this done really well, and Curious Obsession is an example of this done, like, eh, sure. I don't know about this. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it encouraged you to like play cheap evasive threats it was a discard outlet for arclight phoenix when you got the like draw two with no discard off of it you felt really good you felt really smart for pulling it off um and it was never like backbreaking in any way so yeah honestly i'll probably miss playing with Charity course more than pretty much anything else makes sense yeah cool well we will be back for an extra large episode next week when we do our full set review And uh, it will be, again, the like pre-order style of episode where we will figure out how much of CCR's money is getting spent on brand new magic cards. Excellent. But for now, thanks to everybody so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, If you want to catch us online, you can head over to mtggrindcast.com where we've got links to all of our episodes and college coaching services and our social media and to the Patreon. Or you can go straight to patreon.com slash mtg grindcast Uh, got lots of cool rewards and these playmats uh, i'm going to be working on getting them printed up immediately so we can get those out i cannot wait to unroll that i'm so excited the art is so cool i um the artist that we commissioned for this uh he goes by mcg mark on twitter and instagram and, uh, you know, I've linked to him in the Twitter thread and stuff, and I will be encouraging people to check him out, but yeah, I, he had a great portfolio and then just was a joy to work with. And every time I saw a version of this, it just kept getting better and better. And nice. I was I couldn't be more pleased with how it turned out. So excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself a play mat, sign up for the Patreon. That's <laughs> the, this is the only way for you to get this play mat if you are not me or Collins. So <laughs> yeah, sign up for the Patreon uh and yeah so thanks so much to everybody for listening if you want to find us on social media my i'm tweeting from at ccr underscore grindcast the podcast twitter is at mtg underscore grindcast and Collins is also on twitter at Collins mullen Um, thanks again and have a great week peace